0: Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. My name's Nate.
1: And my name's Avery.
0: Today, we are joined by Michael Corgan of MCPR in Chicago. Michael is the founder and owner of MCPR. Michael has been gaining experience in PR for 15 years now with both agency and in-house experience. Michael focuses on looking at marketing as storytelling to leverage the brand and help the brand grow. Michael works with both local and small brands, as well as national and global brands, and his service includes marketing, content, and public relations. Welcome, Michael. How are you doing today?
2: Good. It is so good to be here on a Monday. It's sunny, not raining anymore. So, really, there's uh, nothing to <laughs> complain about, right? Right, exactly.
1: Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background?
2: Yeah. So my name is Michael Corgan. I'm uh, the co-founder, the co-founder, founder of MCPR, uh, which is both my initials, Michael Corgan, but also it stands for Michael Corgan Public Relations. I've uh, been doing PR for over 15 years now. Uh, I've been in Chicago specifically since about 2009. I started out in the uh, boutique agency PR world, I was there for about five years. And then I moved over to doing in-house PR for a brand based in Chicago uh, for about six and a half years, and had always kind of dabbled in freelance consulting um, on the side whenever there was work that I could take on. And I just kind of noticed my uh, word of mouth referrals happening more and more frequently. And I really liked the opportunity to work with a variety of different brands kind of on my own terms. And, you know, the last year has been crazy, uh, and uncertain. So it was definitely not the time that I envisioned potentially kind of building up to taking my, what was once just, you know, kind of a side hustle into my full-time business, but just kind of seemed to be, uh, how the hands of fate, you know, dealt, dealt me that card that it was time. And my business kind of built up to a nice enough place that I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, despite the odds, kind of just take this flying leap and take my consulting full time. Um, You know, I think PR uh, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think some of these people even struggle to fully understand what it is. They know that they want it, but they don't always know, um, how to get it, or what all it entails. You know, I really do a variety of different things uh, for all my clients that I work with, but I kind of uh, buckle it down into what I say is uh, either marketing, content, or public relations, which is also where
0: MCPR comes from. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more about how the pandemic has changed the way you do your job and the way you do public relations? I
2: mean, I think that the pandemic really changed everything you know across so many different industries I remember you know because I've been doing this for a long time uh, and I'm a creature of habit I'm a really big creature of habit so I like I like my way of doing things and I uh when I have a proven method of success somewhere I don't really like to break from that And I think the pandemic for you know Myself, you know, and 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 I know way more than myself. Really, kind of had to take what I knew, what I know, and kind of throw it out the window a little bit. Um, be adaptable. I think the landscape changed a lot. I do a ton of uh, fashion, retail, e-commerce, PR um, for brands that were not necessarily work-from-home brands, uh, brands that were more formal in nature, brands that did a lot of wedding business. So brands that saw a large percentage of their business almost completely disappear overnight. Um, And I think that that's really scary. You know, we can all agree how, in terms of business, scary the past 15 months have been. But I think that it also gave an opportunity for, you know, a lot of my clients and how I do my own business to just say, you know, what can we focus on today to stay afloat? What are our priorities of planning for the future that we have to keep in mind to kind of get us to, you know, that next level or when things have stabilized to continue to stay afloat? Um, And also just, you know, adapting where needed, you know, pivot was definitely a huge, very topical word of the past year. And I think pivoting means a lot of things for a lot of different people. Um, for my own business, I know that I had to be a little bit more nimble sometimes with my service offerings. Um, people needed different things. Uh, I often work with people on things that aren't just so purely tactical either. You know, Sometimes I think people really do need strategic direction in terms of their brand um, as it pertains to things like overall marketing messaging or making decisions about, you know, things that they should get involved with or partnerships that they should take on even, you know, the event scene obviously changed a lot over the past year, but there were still opportunities, I think, to do things virtually or otherwise. Um, And I, you know, I had to be willing to be flexible because a lot of people, a lot of my clients, you know, I have worked with for many years. So um, their family in a lot of ways. and it's like how can we get through this together? What do, what do we have to do to weather the storm? And you know also, you know, being willing to try things that I hadn't tried before either. You know I think that sometimes in those moments like that where there is a lot of fear it also gives you an opportunity to try something new. And I feel like that was you know something I had to consistently uh, be open to over the course of um, the past year for sure.
1: So you kind of touched on this, like saying the word of mouth um, with like people you worked with, got you some more popularity and gave you an opportunity to turn like your side hustle into a business. Um, What else were like the deciding factors to like step away from like agency and in-house and create your own business?
2: That's a really good question. Actually, I, the thing that I hated the most about working for an agency was I hated? Even though there was a lot of things that I liked about it, um, I hated that I never had the de- the decision to decide for myself what type of business I worked with. Sometimes the agency would take on accounts that I didn't believe in, or I didn't get good energy from the people running them, or um, I just had a lot of kind of internal push and pull on them, and I had to do the work. You know, they paid the money, you work for this company your manager assigns you the accounts that you work on and that's the work that you do. And I remember always feeling this desire to be like, I want to work with businesses that I want to work with. you know, and, and just kind of always knowing that I may not have known that at the time that I was eventually going to launch my own business, but I remember that being something I felt really passionate about. And I, I know that when I was in house for many years, I loved, that I learned so much more about marketing as a whole, and also just how marketing inter- intersects with a lot of other oper- you know, aspects of the business, everything from finance to operations to you know, tech, because I worked for a, a big e-commerce brand. Um, but sometimes when you're so close to one brand in particular, not to say that you get um, settled, but I think that you're very close to it and you, I liked the variety that came with agency. Cause I think sometimes when you work with uh, brands that are, can be both similar, but also radically different from one another, I think that that's kind of in a way that I, I've always felt challenged by that. And I have always felt that that keeps things interesting for me. So I felt like while I loved the consistency of in-house work and the stability of that, I found myself at times not feeling fully challenged you know, every day. So I kind of wanted an opportunity in my eyes to find a way to like merge that, you know, how can I, um, approach each brand that I work with in a way that feels both, you know, thoughtful, um, and has the precision and understanding of someone working in house while also having the variety that I think you get with an agency, but on my own terms, you know, and that I get to choose that, that. At the end of the day, I'm working with brands that I believe in and people whose stories I love and that I want to support. And I feel like that allows me to kind of have, you know, the best of both worlds. I say with MCPR, it's really kind of like a mixture of like the hustle of agency with the precision of in-house, but the also pricing of a freelancer, you know, I feel like I kind of merge those all nicely together. Cause I do, I think that especially if you're a smaller business or you know, a startup, you don't always have huge budgets to pay an agency of five to 10 people or more to, um, to outsource your PR to. And I think that the consulting route has allowed me to kind of really just be that hybrid that combines all of those different ethoses together. And in a way that you know, um, is easier for businesses of a large, large varying degrees of size be able to always find ROI. In the investment that they're looking for with PR,
0: and I think your passion for these marketing of these businesses is what's really important and sets you apart. Um, and I think that y- you say this a lot on your website, but you use storytelling in mar- your marketing process. Can you kind of yes. elaborate a little bit more on uh, kind of your approach to that? And
2: I always, yeah, I always say that PR is like very storytelling forward because it's. It's figuring out what, you know, what is the best version of that brand? You know, like how, as a brand, why should the customer care about you? You know, what is it about you that is special? What is it about you that sets you apart from all of your competitors? What is it about your, your story that is interesting or your value proposition that is interesting? And I think that it's, there's a large part of it that's kind of like, working with the brand to identify that. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. um, Package that in a way that I think is enticing to um, the outside world. And then there really is like such a big uh, part in my job of being a connector, connective storytelling, I like to say, cause it's like you, I'm gonna, you're gonna trust me to help you tell your story but then you're also going to trust me to know who outside your organization, whether that be you know, digital media influencers, traditional print still in some cases, you know, television, radio, podcasts, uh, people that are all operating outside um, of your world. Who who are we going to trust to help you tell that story in the best and most effective way possible? I think. Um, is something that I think is just—it it really is the ethos um, in what I do because I just think that you—you you, there, there is so much noise out there nowadays, and I think you have to be, you know, laser focused on on knowing what on knowing what that is, you know, and being able to effectively communicate that um, across all marketing channels and just in general, you know, because I think. You don't always get more than just a first impression with someone, you know? You can alienate someone on your first impression with them and they may never come back. So you need to be conscious of, you know, from the very beginning, making sure that that impression you're making is the right one. And is the impression that you um, want them to be receiving.
1: Um, I also
2: just love to tell stories. (laughs) I'm a long-winded person.
1: (laughs) Um, Kind of going off that, what is, what or who is like your ideal client? You emphasize that you want to be like genuinely excited and supportive to your clients. Like what does that look like when you meet a business that wants to work with you?
2: Yeah. So I always say, I mean, my, my work to date probably falls most in, in what I would say, the, like the lifestyle e-commerce space. I work with a lot of brands in the kind of fashion, beauty, wellness sectors, but I've done um, a ton of startup work across, you know, uh, different beverage brands. Uh, I've worked with snack brands um, and that, but really like, while that is like the bulk of the work that I do, I have done a lot of travel. I've done a lot of uh, local hotel, restaurant, uh, kind of like immersive cultural experiences. So I always say when I'm looking for business, I want something that excites me. Like if I heard about something and they weren't my client, would I think that that, would I think it's cool? So normally like if I, cause I read a lot and when I hear about some, a brand doing something, if it's something that excites me, um, that's usually like a really good, that's like an initial box that I like to tick. Um, but I really, I do, I, I have to strongly connect with the people behind that business too. I think that, you know, I like to do what I say is a little like a, kind of coffee chat or like happy hour onboarding with clients whenever I meet with people. And it's like, let's just have a conversation, decide if we even like each other as people, like, do we vibe? Do we get along? Do we, how do we communicate? Like our system's going to be similar, you know, do, you know, I have the connections you're looking for. And if I don't, maybe I know somebody who does or, you know, um, But I just, I do, I really try and be conscious of energy and how I feel when I'm around that person, especially when I think you're in like a relationship that's a little bit more client-based. I think sometimes that can have a nuance to it that you don't necessarily get with like a friend or a family member. But I still think you want a client who you feel uh, respected and you feel that there's trust there and you feel that they truly know your expertise. And that's why they want to work with you, you know, so I feel like I kind of go off my gut there, when I'm vetting business. And then I also, while I do like to challenge myself, I also think you have to know what type of clients are going to be in your wheelhouse versus aren't, you know, and I'm never going to say that this is like, here's the four industries I work in and I won't ever take on anything else. Like I won't ever say that because I just think there's always going to be exceptions to things that you think may or may not work. Um, But I still like to try and stay in my wheelhouse because I think that when you're, when you're conscious of of time and you're conscious of collaboration and people spending money um, that you want to make sure that you can, be the person to give them what they're looking for, you know, and if someone needs someone to move really quickly, and is looking for, let's say, press coverage on something almost immediately, if that's not an industry that I have worked in before, then I'm probably not going to have the contacts that they're necessarily looking for. Um, you know, and I think that I have to kind of always be mindful of that, because I think that, you know, it's got to be it's got to be something I feel passionate about. I have to enjoy them as people, and I have to be, you know, confident that I have what they're looking for. Because I think, especially as I, you know, as my as my day fills up, and I, you know, can only work with so many clients at one time because I'm only one person. Um, and I like to only work with enough brands that I know I can, you know, be fully devoted to them if I, if I just ever have kind of a, like a, what if like, Ooh, like would I be able to do this or not? That that's typically something I feel like I might be a little bit more hesitant to take on because I think that, you know, sometimes it's going to take a risk but other times you just have to trust your gut and be like, this isn't for me.
1: So with that, have you seen like a direct um, change in your work with like the companies that you're excited about versus the ones you're not so excited about?
2: I feel like, well, once, so once I like had taken my consulting full-time, the floodgates definitely open, you know, like I said, I, my business has always been very word of mouth. I felt like I never promoted it on social media or, you know, anything. It was like a very, like, if you know, you know, type thing. And, um, I feel like when I first announced, I just like the floodgates kind of opened and I had about like a ton of people reaching out and, you know, everything from people just being, you know congratulative to people wanting to work with me. Um, And I think that the first lesson that I've learned even out of the gate, now that I'm full-time with this and being one person is it can't be even just about like those three things I just listed. It has to also be like, how much time do I have because I, because I'm so focused on my business being word of mouth, That I I have to view my best marketing asset as being providing excellent customer service to the clients that I already have. Because if I'm not doing that, then they're not gonna refer me any new business. So I did have a couple brands that, like let's say six months ago, that had reached out that I would have absolutely taken that work on, but it had shifted. And what was most important for me was saying. I'm full right now. I can't take on any more work. There is, there is something more important than just having another client. It's not just about winning business. It's about keeping business. And that for me was a radical shift. Cause I think before I took it full time, it was always just more like, will I take this or will I won't? And now there's so much more of a, can I take this? And right now, you know, I'm not always able to say that I can, you
0: know, which is a good problem, but you know, I feel like that's been a new challenge for me, for sure. And obviously, starting your starting your own business is one of like the most exciting and scariest things that somebody can do. Um, did you have any like mentors or inspirations when starting your business that like really stuck with you that promoted you to really go out there? You know, so it's so funny because I one of my
2: old um, my first boss that I had at the at the brand I was in house for. Years ago, told me she was like, "Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna do your own thing one day," and I was like, "No way!" I was like, "That's way too, like, risky to like have to like fully run my own business." And no, I'd rather just work for a company and you know get the paycheck and you know be told the marching order and just kind of know what I'm gonna do. And I just never thought that I um, would have done that. And she would always just like push me to think that like, yes, you can do this. Like you're, you are really great. Like you're special. Like you're, cause she had worked for a ton of other brands before too. And she was like, I've worked with so many PR people. Like you are not just a run of the mill PR person. Like you're special. Like you're meant to do something bigger than what you're doing today. And I see so much more potential for you. And that kind of like really lit a fire underneath me, you know, to know that like I could do it. And got me to that point of as I started building business more and more that I kind of had that, um, that gut sense, you know, of like just believing in myself to kind of be able to, t- you know, take, take that leap. And it's been fun because I actually, um, as I've been like phasing and gearing up to launch my business, um, I actually share an office space with my friend Sean, who was on the podcast with you guys not that long ago. Who also is a creative consultant. He runs his own agency, uh, Unicorn Life, and he. Our timing, he was like ahead of me in his like opening trajectory of like what he needed to do to get his stuff down. So as I was like shifting over to like ramping up my business, he had the like blueprint. And for he was like, okay, you need to do this, and then you need to do this, and then this is how you do your banking, and here's your account. And for me, that. That was the most intimidating aspect of launching my business. I knew the PRness of it all. I had the like the client stuff down, but the actual like building a business. Um, th- that was re- really intimidating for him to kind of have that blueprint to like hand over to me and then also to like be just like such a cheerleader because he'd already been through it. Um, and to just be that kind of daily like source of support, and just to know that it was going to be okay because you know he had just done it himself, and then to just have us kind of both be able to be those lifelines for each other. And him and I's businesses complement each other so nicely; they're like so similar in how they complement each other, but we're like so different in types of the services that we that we offer. Um, that it's just been like such a dream to be able to share an office with him and for him to help push me across the finish line for sure.
1: That's awesome. Um, so with that, what would you say is your business's main like characteristic that will differentiate from other PR businesses?
2: That's a really good question. So I like to say, I feel that there are Two complaints that you always hear about PR people is I think that PR people overpromise sometimes. I think people think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors at PR, especially when you're like trying to win business. Oh, we'll get you here. You'll do this. You're going to be on the cover of this. You're going to win this award. And it's like, I really try not to BS people when I'm working with them. I always try and be very honest. Like, I will help you be the best version of yourself. And that will get you here. You know, you could possibly get here, but I never try and overpromise because I think that that just does such a disservice. And all that does is end up stalling someone for a little bit and then causing friction and disappointment and resentment towards you as a business, you know, as a as the person running your business with your client. And I always, you know, I try and um, be really honest with people. I I wouldn't consider myself a confrontational person, but I am not afraid to tell someone when I think they're wrong. Uh, They, you know, I think when you work in PR, they also pay you as an expert for your opinion um, and to challenge them when you should. I'm not afraid to do that. I will tell somebody uh, that they're wrong diplomatically, but I will tell them that. Um, I'll also admit when I'm wrong. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen from time to time. If I have a client who proves me wrong, I will admit it. Um, And I think that by willing to kind of like challenge someone, then it also like makes you just be their biggest cheerleader in those moments of success. I'm someone who also like, I remember some of the biggest gripes I would hear was that when I worked for an agency that we would only do the work that they like contracted us for You know, or that you hear people that just think that they're like, "This is my skill set. This is what I do. I won't do anything else." And I, like, I'm someone who's willing to like roll up my sleeves and get down and dirty a little bit if I have to. I have a prebiotic beverage client that's based out of Austin, and we just launched a pop up for them a couple weeks ago. And day of, I was like helping them put together picnic tables and. Like, you know, just getting down to the wire and doing the nitty gritty because I wanted them to, you know, have the event that we were doing be great and to know that I, you know, valued myself as a part of their team greater than just getting them publicity. Um, And I think that, you know, by being able to collaborate with people in that way, that's when, you know, clients do become friends or do feel like family. And, you know, I have some clients that I've worked with for five years now and I would not have, I wouldn't be opening my business full time if I didn't have those support. And I think that, you know, as someone who's willing to both have the difficult conversation, but then also do whatever it takes to be the biggest advocate for my clients, I think is something that people would say separates me um,
0: in my business. Looking forward to the next five years, is there any uh, goals or programs that you really wanna put forward for your organization?
2: I, Definitely. So, people have already asked me a million times, like if I'm going to run an agency or if I'm going to do my own, like what my thing is. And this is such a cliche answer, but I've always joked that I see myself as like a Samantha Jones in Sex in the City, where it's like, you know, I don't run an agency. I do my own thing. I have an assistant. Like, I definitely will, like, will, will see myself having a team. I think uh, a much more quality over quantity size team. Um, Cause if I ever hired someone else, I'd want it to be the right people. Um, but I do see myself growing in that capacity. I see myself in five years. I really wanna continue to explore the forms of new media. Um, I've, I've really, you'll you hear this first. I have toyed around with the concept of launching my own YouTube show Um, It's something that I've done a lot of TV work in my, in my experience, and I love YouTube. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for me to explore that both in a way that fuses kind of my personality and some of my personal interests in with my professional expertise as well. And I just don't, I have not really seen um, somebody owning that in my industry fully yet. And I've done a lot of research. Um, I haven't really told anyone because I don't want to give anyone uh, I don't want anyone to scoot me on it. But um, that's something I'd really love to explore further. Because I think as we kind of go back to this concept of storytelling, I think that like storytelling, the form in which that happens changes so much. And I think that that's sometimes why some PR people get burnt out because you're, you know, you're, your network is your worth, you know, like that's what your, that's kind of what your bread and butter is. And when something pivots, and you kind of have to work to build up another you know roster of contacts somewhere the concept of having to start over i think can be daunting for some people i've always found that so exciting like oh i get to chase you know after this category now because this is new opportunity this is a new avenue with which could prove successful um for a client and i you know and i think that the only way as an expert to or be hired as an expert for a landscape that is continuing to always change I think you have to be willing to be open and being nimble to the way that things change because otherwise you're just going to get left behind you know you can't necessarily hold on to this is the way that something has to be because it's going to continue to adapt and if you don't adapt with it then you know you won't you won't you know you can't you can't keep moving forward so I would love to see myself um, continuing to kind of own that space um a little bit more i love i love being on podcasts clearly um but i don't necessarily see myself hosting my own podcast but you never know but youtube for sure is something i want to lean into i
0: really like your video that you made uh that you posted on facebook which one the one my commercial (laughs) yeah yeah your commercial i thought that was uh i thought that was really really
2: smart thank you thank you that was uh that's actually kind of the ethos for my, what I want to do with YouTube. And when I saw that video kind of blow up, at least for me, I think that that was like, cause it was like a surprise drop. It was probably the closest I'll ever, you know, get to being Taylor Swift. Um, just like announcing, like just rolling something out and being like, surprise. Um, the feedback I got on it was so strong that I knew that people really loved that. And that's kind of what I want to do. Like this opportunity of like combining PR and entertainment and my own social commentary on it. I feel like there's like brands and celebrities that mess up every single day. And I think there could be a really fun opportunity for me to kind of discuss that and say, this is what happened. Like, what do I think this was handled properly? What would I have done differently if I was in this situation? And um, I think that could be a fun way to explore and also just like revisit like some famous PR fails back in the day and discuss them almost kind of like a talk soup meets like, you know, YouTube meets, you know, just me. <laughs> but uh, I think that could be really fun. And, you know, that was, it was, I had a really good team that worked with me on that video. And it was just so fun. There's so much to choose from. So to pick like, which celebrities we wanted to make fun of and, you know, which brands we thought would like tell a cool visual story um, was fun to do. And I knew that I wanted, you know, my tagline of you need MC is something that I use a lot. So it was like, what better way to launch that? And then to show a bunch of people who like actually really needed MC. And I think that that was just like a fun, whimsical way to do that. So I'm glad that you saw that and enjoyed it.
0: That was great. I, I really do think that you should do a YouTube channel. Like I would support you hundred percent. That sounds amazing. Oh my God. Love, all right, done and done. I mean, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on the
2: record with it now, so it has to happen. It has to happen.
0: Right. I'll be there. I'll be your very first subscriber, all right? Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna move into rapid fire questions now. Cool. So after becoming acquainted with Andersonville, what is your favorite thing about the neighborhood?
2: I, funny enough, like, even before I lived in Andersonville, I always loved Andersonville from the moment I first moved here. There was, like, such a quaintness to it. There's such, like, an approachability to it. To me, it feels like both big city and small town all at the same time. Like, there's just something that feels like home about it. And I love that you can get an amazing meal there's really curated shopping there is always like just immersive events that I think that you know that the neighborhood puts on in a way that feels very inclusive and fun and I just think that it's like even just walking up and down the strip like I always have just a feeling of uh Belonging, and that there's just this—I don't know. There's just something special about it, and I've always—and I've always felt that way. It—it also feels very grown up to me in a way. Of when I like first moved to Chicago, I was like, I was like, oh, when I'm, you know, that—that's where I'm gonna live when I've made it. You know, when I'm an adult, because I was like 24 and still a hot mess. So I was like, that, you know, that—that's where I'm. That's where I'm gonna live when I'm, you know, when I have all the answers to the universe. Well, I don't have all the answers to the universe. Um I do love living in the neighborhood, even though I even though I live technically what I would like to call Andersonville adjacent. I technically live in Endwater. Our secret.
1: Our secret. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite social media platform to create content for?
2: I always say I have a love-hate relationship with social media. And I think that's okay. I think you can both personally hate something and professionally respect it. Sometimes I hate it personally because I feel very consumed by it. Um, I think it's easy to get swept up into things like comparative culture or FOMO or just the impulse of it. Um, And that can be hard. But I also think obviously in the world of branding, it's very important. It's very powerful. It can help you grow. Um, It can help you reach customers in ways that you just couldn't anywhere else um I'm a very visual person so I, you know I there is a part of me that's always going to be drawn to like an Instagram or a YouTube just because I do like that mix of visual and also just uh learning something I think that's why I love YouTube too because I think you can find it so informational at the same time too it's not all just flash there's so much more substance for me um and I think that there. There's just sometimes an opportunity to create something when it's longer form. I think that makes you feel not as like constricted to a certain time frame, or you know, a number of characters in a tweet or something like that. And um, least favorite, I I feel like everyone is just still so obsessed with TikTok because it like blew up in the last year. And I always tell people because I have clients like, should we be doing TikTok? Should we not? And I'm always like, my rule with social media is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like, I think that you need to think about like the demo that you're trying to reach, the visual capacity of your brand. And like, is that something that even is, is interesting in short form video basically. And, you know, I think that you also with social media need to want to do it. Anyone who ever does social because they feel like they have to, it's never good. It rings hollow. It just doesn't ever land. Like you can always tell when someone is really impassioned about the content with which they're creating. And I think that the reason why I sometimes still kind of roll my eyes at TikTok is because it's like, it it was very much of the moment last year. I'm not entirely convinced it's going to be around for the long haul now that we're like phasing back out into the real world. Um, Just because I think it was so of that, like, you're at home, you're dancing, you need to do something like, um, but we'll, you know, we'll see. But I just think that for me, it's something I've had to stay abreast of just because it's, you know, I have so many clients ask about it. I don't personally use it. Cause I think when it blew up, I just had this feeling of being like, I can't worry about another social media channel, like another thing to add to my list. Like I'd rather just like continue to understand the nuances of the channels I operate on um, rather than try and like start fresh over on something else, you know, but then next week I could sign a client that wants, that's all about marketing to 16 year olds. And then, I'll be speaking TikTok fluently. So, you know, but I would say as of now, it's still probably my least favorite. And then I think Reels on Instagram is just trying to steal TikTok's thunder. So I think that's, you
0: know, all you need to know about that. Do you have a favorite album or Spotify playlist to listen to when you're working?
2: <laughs> There's a Spotify playlist called Songs That Make Gay People Scream, which I think is perfect being Pride Month. I I first discovered it on a bachelor party. And for, for a friend who's gay, I am also gay. Um, and it was it, it was actually created by a, a writer for BuzzFeed who I love. And it's just like all of the best gay, just songs that gay men just tend to, the second they come on, we can't help ourselves. And I'm... I actually am pretty non-traditional in the work. The music I listen to at work. I listen to the same music that I would working out or walking down the street or, you know, at a party at work because I think that that just, like, kind of keeps me in the zone. Um, I'm also super into K-pop right now. Uh, That's on a lot. I really love Blackpink. Um, And then Sean and I both love Taylor Swift. So that is always on in our office. She was on earlier today. (laughs)
1: Yeah, she has like a super big new album coming out soon.
2: I know, I know. We're loving all of her like re-recorded albums. Makes them like, it's so cool to have something that is both like, you know, the ins and outs already, but then still feel fresh and new at the same time. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's like new, but you still know all the words. So you can like-
2: Yes, (laughs) exactly.
1: Okay, so your LinkedIn profile mentions you have experience with celebrity product placement. Um, Who is your favorite celebrity that you've got to work
2: with? I The one that I think gets people the most excited is I got to film with the Kardashians uh, at a client. They taped for their TV show um, for a client of mine in LA a couple years ago, which was, I would say, one of the coolest but weirdest experiences of my life. Just like I think when you're around people who are that famous, it is it really is a complete... Different reality. So to even be observant or adjacent to that is just something that is fascinating to me. Um, I have done a really long. So one of my uh, the brand I worked in house for and is the client mine now that is a brand called Tybar that's based in Chicago. Uh, they're an accessory and uh, menswear business, and we had done a really long standing uh, charity partnership with Jesse Tyler from Modern Family. Um, that started as a, as a means to try and get, uh, create awareness and raise money for marriage equality, like before that, that had passed and then went on to just, you know, be fundraising for a variety of LGBTQ, um, charities. And I always loved getting to work on that because to me that felt more than just, uh, a PR thing. I love that it did so much good that we, you know, the millions of dollars that we raised and the events and other celebrities that would design for that collection. And just felt like when that, when that eventually did pass nationwide, it was something as a gay man that I felt very proud to have felt like in some way I had played my part in pushing that through. And that, you know, that was, that was really exciting to me. Um, But I feel like every week there's sometimes different new, you know, something new I've gotten to like, do styling stuff for celebrities on the red carpet. Um, we worked one time with Ryan Gosling for like the La La Land premiere. And I got to like actually pick his accessories to like all the suits that he wore. And like, that was so cool. And I um, I work with the Spice House, which is another uh, Chicago based brand and Gwyneth Pelcher just posted about them last week and they were like freaking out. So I feel like there's like, when you have moments, um, sometimes that just happen, you know? Uh, that you're not even necessarily prepared for. Those are always like really fun just to kind of like, especially huge celebrities like that, you know, like to like do a paid integration with Gwyneth Paltrow. I can't even tell you like how much money that would probably cost. But if you get the product in front of her and she loves her spices and she loved them, she posted about it anyway. So didn't even have to pay for it.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, you talked a little bit about YouTube Today. So I wanted to ask you uh, do you have like a favorite YouTube channel or any YouTube like series you really want to shout out? So my
2: husband and I are really big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> and as I was like vetting like, you know, shows like to kind of figure out like what my show might be, um, they do a show called Tudor Boot that's hosted by Raja and Raven. Um, and they just review like, so they'll have like the runway from the previous week and they will just review the looks that they like, you know, and then they toot them or they boot them based off of, you know, whether they like them or not. And I think to me, that's a really good example of you don't necessarily have to have this like extremely innovative concept, but if you are producing content that is engaging and if you're, and if you co-host with someone and you guys have great chemistry and you're funny, um, that I think you can get people kind of consistently coming back to you. You know, you don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel every single time you drop a new episode, but I think that you, you know, have to know what your brand is and, you know, really kind of double down on that. You know, and and I I uh, I love that, that that there's such a simpleness to that show and we watch it every single week. So they're clearly doing something right
1: going off the how you worked at tie bar, are you more of a necktie guy or a bow tie?
2: So funny enough, I actually am not good at tying a bow tie like at all. Uh, I find it really difficult. It reminds me of like struggling to tie my shoelaces as a kid or something like that. There's something, there's something that just my brain cannot wrap its head around. So I'm definitely, uh, when I wear a tie, I'm definitely a necktie person for sure.
0: This is a podcast favorite question, but um, if you could run one Anderson business for a day, which business would you run?
2: I'm a really big fan of Cowboys and Astronauts. I think, I just think they have such a really curated, well done assortment. I love what they do. I love that that store doesn't just feel like a store. It feels like a lifestyle brand. I think they straddle a lot of different categories and I just feel like their team is always so inviting and I, I just really respect them and what they do. And I think they're super rad and I would love to know how they run their business. In fact, I would love to work with their business. So if they were ever looking to scale their e-commerce, I feel like I could help them beautifully.
0: So if they're listening, I love them. That's my plug. <laughs> well, um, as the podcast is coming to a close, Uh, is there anything that you would like to say to the people listening to this podcast? Um,
2: I would just say, whether you understand PR or not, it's a huge part of my job to help you understand what I do and how I can better help you grow your business. But if you're someone who is looking to explore the world of PR is looking to grow your business, is looking to tell your story and is looking to have a little fun along the way? Because I think we always have to have fun at work. Otherwise, why are we doing it? If you answered yes to one or many of those questions, then you need MC.
1: And then where can people find and connect with
2: you? Yeah, you can go on my website, uh, www.needmc.com. You can follow me along on social media at youneedmc, or you can email me at my very fancy email address, mcorriganpr at gmail.com.
1: Well, thank you, Michael, for talking with us today.
2: Oh my God, my pleasure. That thank you too. guys thank for you having so much.
1: me. Thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. Show notes for today's podcast will be located on andersonville.org.
0: Always Andersonville the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded on Zoom. We thank you for your listenership and if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our projection. Please email us at info at for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community,
1: and for staying Always Andersonville.